Welcome back to another episode of our award-winning NPR podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we have a fascinating topic to dive into, a sheath-theoretic construction of shape space. Now, I know this might sound like a complex topic, but fear not. We're here to break it down and make it easy to understand. That's right, Jen. To put it simply, shape space refers to the space of all shapes. It's a way of comparing different shapes by formalizing their distances from each other. So, if you're wondering how a square compares to a circle or a triangle, shape space provides a framework for that comparison. Absolutely. Tom. And in this paper, titled A Sheath Theoretic Construction of Shape Space, authors Shreya Arya, Justin Curry, and Sian Mukherjee present a new way of constructing shape space using sheath theory. Now, sheath theory might sound intimidating, but it's essentially a mathematical framework that allows us to glue together different shapes to understand their overall structure. Right. Jen. In order to do this, the authors describe a homotopy sheaf on the post category of constructible sets. Each set is mapped to its persistent homology transforms. PHT. PHT is a summary object that captures the essential information of each shape. So, by gluing these PHTs together, they can build a larger shape. And when the shape is a polyhedron, The authors prove a generalized nerve lemma for the PHT, which basically means they can calculate higher homology PHTs using only PHT0 of elements in a PL. Piecewise linear. Covering. This is computationally simpler and can provide guarantees on computing the full PHT of a shape in all degrees. Absolutely. Jen. And to make things even more exciting. The authors show that we can reliably approximate the PHT of a manifold by a polyhedron up to arbitrary precision. So, even if we don't have the exact shape, we can still get a pretty close approximation. That's right, Tom. They also introduce metrics, stability, and approximation theory for the PHT which allows us to measure distances between PHTs and compare them with other distances on shape. Spaces. It's a way to ensure that our approximations are reliable and consistent. Overall, this paper contributes a new perspective to shape space theory by leveraging sheaf theory and providing a more algebraic construction. It expands our understanding of comparing shapes and opens up new avenues for research and applications in various fields. Definitely. Tom and the authors also outline potential future work and discuss how their approach compares to other methods in shape space theory. It's really exciting to see how their work can transform the way we think about shapes and their comparisons. Absolutely. Jen. And that brings us to the end of our introduction to this paper. In the upcoming segments, we will dive deeper into the background on constructability, persistent homology, and sheaves. So stay tuned for a fascinating and informative discussion. That's right, 
Tom, we'll make sure to explain these complex concepts in a way that's easy to grasp. So, don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back after a short break with more on a sheaf theoretic construction of shape space. Transition music fades. Welcome back to our NPR podcast, where we're exploring the paper A Sheaf Theoretic Construction of Shape Space by Shreya Arya, Justin Curry, and Shayun Mukherjee. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. In the previous segment, we introduced sheaf theory and the concept of shape space. Now, let's dive into the background on constructability and persistent homology. Constructible sets are subsets of a space that can be built up from a finite collection of simple geometric pieces, like triangles. These sets allow us to understand the structure of a shape by analyzing its individual components. That's right, Tom. And persistent homology measures the presence of topological features, such as holes or voids, in a shape. It captures the evolution of these features as we vary a parameter, allowing us to study the persistence of certain topological properties. With constructible sets and persistent homology in mind, let's discuss how sheaf theory comes into play. Sheaf theory provides a mathematical framework for systematically organizing and analyzing data that is distributed over a space. It allows us to understand how local information relates to global properties. And in the context of shape space, sheaf theory enables us to glue together constructible sets and analyze the relationship between their individual components. The authors of the paper use sheaf theory to construct a homotopy sheaf on the POSIT category of constructible sets. This homotopy sheaf captures the essential information about the shape space, providing a powerful tool for comparing and analyzing shapes. And what's really interesting is that the authors prove a generalized nerve lemma for the persistent homology transforms, PHTs, in the case of polyhedra. This allows them to calculate higher homology PHTs using only PHT0 of elements in a piecewise linear PL covering. Absolutely. Tom, their approach not only simplifies the computational process but also provides guarantees for computing the full PHT of a shape in all degrees. And as we mentioned earlier, the authors also explore metrics stability, and approximation theory for the PHTs. This further enhances the practicality and applicability of their sheaf theoretic construction of shape space. That's right, Tom. The ability to measure distances between PHTs and compare them with other distances on shape spaces opens up new possibilities for shape analysis and comparison. Exactly. And in the next segment, We'll go even deeper into sheaf theory and its connection to constructible sets and persistent homology. So stay tuned for more fascinating insights into a sheaf theoretic construction of shape space. You're listening to our award-winning NPR podcast, where we dissect complex topics and make them accessible. I'm Jen. And I'm Tom. In the previous segments, 
We introduced the paper a sheaf theoretic construction of shape space and discussed constructible sets, persistent homology, and sheaf theory. Now, let's dive even deeper into the world of sheaves. In mathematics, a sheaf is a mathematical structure that describes how data is distributed over space. It's like a way of organizing information in a systematic manner. Absolutely. Gen. Sheaves allow us to capture and study the relationship between local information and global properties. They're an important tool for understanding the structure of spaces and objects. And in the context of shape space, sheaf theory provides a way to analyze and compare different shapes by gluing them together. It allows us to understand the overall structure of shape space and the relationships between its individual components. Exactly. Jen. The authors of the paper use sheaf theory to construct a homotopy sheaf on the post category of constructible sets. This homotopy sheaf captures the essential information about the shape space and provides a framework for analyzing its topological properties. And what's really interesting is how the authors connect their sheaf theoretic construction of shape space to previous approaches in shape space theory. They discuss the connections between landmark-based and diffeomorphism-based models, highlighting the flexibility and generality of the sheaf theoretic framework. That's right. Gen. The ability to interpolate between shapes in a continuous manner, thanks to the homotopy sheaf, opens up new possibilities for shape analysis and comparison. It allows us to explore the space of shapes in a more comprehensive way. Absolutely. Tom. And it's important to note that shape space theory has numerous applications in various fields. From evolutionary anthropology to biomedical research. The ability to compare and analyze shapes in a robust and accurate way is invaluable. Definitely. Jen. And in our next segment. We'll wrap up our discussion of a sheaf theoretic construction of shape space and share our final thoughts on this fascinating paper. So stay tuned for the conclusion. Welcome back to our NPR podcast. This is Jen. And I'm Tom. In the previous segments, we explored the paper A Sheaf Theoretic Construction of Shape Space and discussed sheaf theory, constructible sets, persistent homology, and their applications to shape analysis. Now, Let's wrap up our discussion with some final thoughts on this paper and its contributions to the field of shape space theory. Absolutely. Jen. The authors of this paper present a unique approach to constructing shape space using sheaf theory. By leveraging the power of sheaves, they provide a more flexible and general framework for shape comparison and analysis. That's right. Tom. The sheaf theoretic construction allows for continuous interpolation between shapes, which opens up new possibilities for studying the space of shapes and understanding their relationships. And one of the strengths of this approach is the ability to preserve the topological characteristics of shapes. The authors demonstrate that the persistent homology transforms PHTs. Capture essential information about the shape's homology. 
or the holes and voids within them. Exactly. And by using metrics, stability, and approximation theory for the PhTs, the authors make their sheath theoretic construction even more practical and applicable in real-world scenarios. Overall, a sheath theoretic construction of shape space provides a valuable contribution to shape space theory. It expands our understanding of shape analysis and comparison and opens up new avenues of research and application in various fields. That wraps up our discussion. We hope you found this exploration of sheath theory and shape space enlightening and thought-provoking. As always, thanks for tuning in to our NPR podcast. And we'll catch you next time. Take care, everyone. Opening music plays. Tom and Jen begin speaking. Hey, Jen, have you heard of the newest dessert sensation in town? No, tell me more, Tom. It's squid nado ice cream. They've taken all the best parts of a squid, added it to ice cream, and turned it into a delicious treat. Disgusted. Uh, what? That sounds horrific. Don't knock it, till you've tried it. Jen. Squid Nado ice cream is the perfect blend of salty and sweet flavors that will make your taste buds dance. Sarcastically, oh, joy. I can't wait to taste the tentacles in my ice cream. Laughs. But seriously, folks, if you are feeling brave, head on down to Squid Nado Ice Cream Co. and give it a try. This podcast brought to you by Squid Nado Ice Cream Co. Making your taste bud sensational. Hello and welcome back to another episode of our award-winning NPR podcast. I'm Tom. And with me is my brilliant co-host Jen. Hello everyone. We are here today to explore a fascinating research paper titled Decomposition of Geometric Graphs into Star Forests. This paper authored by Janos Pak, Mortiza Sagafian, and Patrick Schneider, presents a groundbreaking solution to a problem proposed by Dujmovic and Wood in 2007. That's right, Jen. The problem they set out to solve was to determine the minimum number of subgraphs of a geometric graph that it can be partitioned into. In particular, they were interested in decomposing the graph into star forests where each subgraph consists of non-crossing edges. And why is this problem important? You may ask? Well, it has implications in various fields such as graph theory, combinatorial geometry, and even graph drawing. By exploring geometric conditions for graph decomposition, it opens up new avenues for analyzing and understanding complex structures. Absolutely. The authors build on previous work in graph theory and bring in geometric considerations to tackle this problem. They introduce the concept of convex geometric graphs, which are graphs whose vertices form the vertex set of a convex polygon. These graphs have certain distinct properties that make them particularly interesting to study. And throughout the paper, They explore different cases and provide mathematical proofs to support their conclusions. For instance, 
They prove that a complete convex geometric graph with n vertices cannot be decomposed into fewer than n one-plane star forests. That's an intriguing result. Jen. It means that if we have a complete geometric graph with vertices forming a convex polygon, it requires a minimum of n one-plane star forests to decompose it. And they also discuss similar questions for abstract graphs which opens up possibilities for further research. Exactly. It's exciting to see how this research pushes the boundaries of graph theory and explores new directions in geometric graph analysis. So stay tuned as we dive deeper into the paper, unpacking the complex concepts and unraveling the elegant solutions provided by Pak, Sagafian, and Schneider. And we'll also discuss the implications and potential applications of their findings. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us as we journey through the fascinating world of decomposition of geometric graphs into star forests. Sound of things crashing and breaking. Hey Jen, what happened to your kitchen? Ah, uh, don't even ask. I tried to make breakfast this morning and it turned into a disaster. Sounds like you could use Chaosco. What's that? Chaosco creates messes so you don't have to. We'll come in and wreck your kitchen, your living room, your whole house. Wait, what? Why would anyone want that? Because then Chaosco comes back in to clean up the mess and you don't have to lift a finger. That's ridiculous. No, it's genius. And this podcast is sponsored by Chaos Co. So when life gets messy, just remember Chaos Co. Welcome back to another exciting episode of our NPR podcast. I'm Tom, and I'm here with my co-host Jen. Today, we have a fascinating topic to discuss. Geometric graphs with unbounded flip width. That's right. Tom, we're going to dive deep into the complex world of geometric graphs and explore the concept of flip width. This notion of graph width, recently introduced by Torunchik, provides a unique way to capture graph structure and opens up possibilities for efficient parametrized algorithms. Absolutely. Jen. Flip width allows us to unify different notions of graph width, including bounded expansion and twin width. It's like bringing various puzzle pieces together to form a complete picture. We'll explore how this unification can lead to better understanding and analysis of graph structures. And what makes this topic even more exciting is that we'll be discussing specific types of geometric graphs that have unbounded flip width. These include interval graphs, permutation graphs, circle graphs, and many more. That's right, Jen. And we'll explain these concepts in an intuitive way, breaking down complex ideas into bite-sized pieces. We want to make sure our listeners can follow along and grasp the significance of these geometric graphs with unbounded flip width. And as always, we'll provide real-world examples and practical applications to anchor these abstract concepts. 
We want our listeners to see how this research can impact various fields. From computer science to mathematics and beyond. So stay tuned. Folks, this episode is going to be an enlightening journey into the world of geometric graphs with unbounded flip width. Get ready to expand your understanding and indulge in some intellectually stimulating discussions. Don't forget to grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea. Sit back and enjoy this informative and entertaining episode of our NPR podcast. So, without further ado, let's dive right in. And we're back. This podcast was brought to you by the Fluffinator Umbrella Co. Keeping you dry and fluffinatory all at the same time. That's right. Tom, don't you hate it when it's raining outside and you're craving a delicious PB&J or fluffernutter sandwich? Ugh, all the time. But fear not. With Fluffinator Umbrella Company, you can keep your favorite sandwich close to you at all times. And not only that, but our umbrellas are coated with a special fluffernutter repelling layer. So your sandwich stays safe and dry. And don't forget about the added bonus of making all your co-workers jealous when you walk into the office with a fluffinator sandwich hanging from your umbrella. So why settle for a boring old umbrella when you can have one from the Fluffernutter Umbrella Co. Sponsored by the sticky and delicious combination of peanut butter and marshmallow fluff. Outro music. Thank you for joining us on this episode of our NPR podcast. We hope you found our discussion on geometric algorithms for $K$NN poisoning both informative and entertaining. If you want to learn more about this topic, be sure to check out the paper titled Geometric Algorithms for $K$NN poisoning by Diego Ahara. Centurion and his team. It's a fascinating read that delves deeper into the concepts we discussed today. And as always, if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We love hearing from our listeners. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next episode of our award-winning NPR podcast. Stay curious, everyone. Outro music concludes. Hey Jen, have you heard about Wacky Widgets Inc? No, what's that? It's the latest craze in widgets. They're so wacky, they'll make your head spin. Wow, that sounds interesting. But what do they do? Well, they're widgets that can do anything. Need a widget that can make you breakfast? Wacky Widgets Inc. has got you covered. Need a widget that can walk your dog? We've got that too. That sounds too good to be true. But it is true. And if you call now, we'll throw in a free wacky hat with every purchase. A wacky hat? Sign me up. This podcast is brought to you by Wacky Widget Inc. Where the widgets are wacky and the fun never stops. Sponsored by the makers of the infamous wacky wand and the hilarious wacky whistle. Thank you.